Welcome to the Elite is Earned podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Hemingway. Today, we have a very special guest, Coach Mike Neighbors from Washington, University of Washington, women's basketball. In coaching circles, it's hard to find a more respected coach in women's basketball, certainly a student of the game, and always a coach that is feels free to share information. This year, he has his Huskies ranked in the top 25, was ranked number 12 as of yesterday. Coach, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Me, appreciate it. Glad that you were able to uh, to be here, and even more happy that uh, that you're joining us uh, the day after you get a win over a top ten program. Hey, yeah, that was a good thing. Kind of, kind of uh, been one of those games we've had circled for a couple weeks. You know, we've we've had some good wins along the way, and we've kind of needed that little marquee win that the committee likes to talk about. You know, when it comes March, uh, and you only get so many opportunities at that. We've we had a chance at Notre Dame. I missed out on that opportunity. We had a great battle with Oregon State a couple weeks ago so it felt good to get uh, come out on the winning side of one of those marquee matchups and I hope that's one of those ones that come March uh, a lot of people look back on as a good win for us. Yes sir and looking back on that win what were you pleased with you know in terms of your team's execution uh, what, what's going to stick out about that game for, for the next couple of weeks? Well just how hard we tried to rebound um, you know UCLA uh, is around the basket as good as anybody uh, I made the mistake of going out in warm-ups about the time that Monique Billings jumped up and dunked it two-handed uh, in warm-ups, and our crowd kind of oohed and awed a little bit. So um, I was uh, I was a little bit intimidated from the get-go, but I'm sure I'm glad our kids weren't. Uh, you know, Katie Collier ends up with a career-high 15 rebounds, and Chantel Osahar gets a, a very uh, routine-ish 16 uh, for her. Um, but in a very, very tough environment, a tough game with a, a lot of kids that, um, you know, we don't have any business rebounding with. Our kids tried real hard. Certainly take that away, and then, you know, I don't know if y'all followed it yesterday, but we had a power outage in Seattle. Um, we were without That's power right. for about two hours in the, up here where there was about 100,000 people. We didn't know whether the game was going to go on or not. And, you know, you have a chance to get distracted there, and, and I thought our kids, a bunch of veterans, uh, really rallied our young kids together and uh, kept them focused. And so I think I learned that i got to get a group of kids that can really um, answer the call when it comes to a rebounding challenge and, and also can be uh, resilient and not be distracted by some things that we don't have any control over. So uh, it was a good, all, all around, it was a good Sunday for us. Let's get right to it. Hey, you know, rebounding, you and I both know that, uh, that that rebounding wins games and gets championships, but the attention has been on senior guard Kelsey Plum, currently leading the nation, uh, 30.7 points per game, a 90% free throw shooter, 45% from the three-point arc, and is creeping towards that, that all-time scoring record. Coach, what, what is it like to coach uh, a kid like Plum? Well, you feel lucky every single day because, you know, they don't come along very often. Uh, um, it's a challenge. I- I'll tell you, it- it's hard for it's a challenge to coach a kid that's so committed because you have to keep coming up with new things to inspire uh, and new things to keep her interested. New shooting drills, uh, new uh, new things for her to set her goals on. So. Uh, She's a joy to coach, and she's a pleasure to coach, and it's fun. I mean, it, it challenges me, and it challenges our staff to be better uh, because we. I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to let her down. Um, right. And it makes me stay on top of my toes every single day. And she is just one of those kids with a sustained focus, like no other human being I've been around. Not kids, not millennials, not, not any. I'm just talking about sheer human beings, regardless of age, uh, to stay singularly focused on what's important in her to her and in her game. Uh, 
and continue to work at it. Not be satisfied, not let uh, the stories and the accolades uh, affect one second of her pursuit for excellence. And it's just fun. It's fun to be around. It makes me better on a daily basis, and I know it makes everybody around us better. Of course, sir. You know, Kelsey, coming out of, out of high school, I remember having a chance to watch her at USA Basketball. I believe that would have been maybe 2012. Yeah. And clearly she was good. But I, I'm not sure that we – I know that I didn't expect, you know, what we're seeing right now. Uh, did you expect this? And, and when did you realize that, you know, that she was going to ascend into, you know, one of these all-time great types of players? After that first month of her being on campus when, you know, we as coaches hear all the time, you know, hey, this kid's a gym rat. She's going to be in the gym. You're going to have to run her out of the gym. You know, you hear that same song and dance. And then in all actuality, it's very rarely true. Um, after a month of it being consistent and her calling me to be at the gym every morning at 6 o'clock and reminding me and being there, uh, I knew she had a chance. Now, um, like y'all, you know, I think everybody wanted to question something about her game. Was she fast enough? Was she tall enough? Was she, you know, whatever enough, whatever you want to pick. But after that first month, knowing that she was going to work at whatever we asked her to work at, and then knowing, too, that, you know, with the system that we were talking about installing at that time, Kevin was still here. We were talking about moving to the dribble drive, uh, getting away from some set plays and uh, becoming a motion team. Uh, you know, you could see that there were the ingredients were there. Uh, and then, then we were able to get Osahar and Ruiz and the other people to go around her, the other pieces that are so vital to the dribble drive. And then it all comes together. You know, a, a player special like uh, Chantel Osahar that's very, very special. But you need a kid like that to be effective in the dribble drive. And the fact that we got them both in the same year, uh, at that point in time, then I didn't really set any ceilings on it because she's continued to get better. She's way better this year than she was last year. She's way better. She'll be way better next week than she was this week. That's what that's what sustained, intense, focused work does for you, and she's just going to keep getting better and better, in my opinion. I guess what I'm hearing from you is that a lot of people talk about working hard, but oh, she yeah. didn't play, you know, pay lip service to it. You know, she was yeah. truly in the gym, you know, multiple hours a day. You mentioned yeah. Chantel. Yeah. Uh, no, go ahead. Go, go ahead, ahead, Coach. Sorry. No, uh, I'm going to come back to Chantel for, for a second, but I, I did want to ask you, you know, you mentioned how, you know, Plum, you know, can, can even be a challenge, you know, to you as a coach. But yeah. with all of this individual attention, um, how do you balance, you know, the success of, of a player like Kelsey? you know, versus keeping everybody else engaged? Well, our roles are really clearly identified and rewarded lots of different ways. Uh, you know, a kid like Katie Collier, a McDonald's All-American herself, uh, you know, she came in yesterday and wanted to know how many great screens she set. You know, we, we chart her great screens. Uh, a kid like Hannah Johnson that comes off the bench for us and plays eight minutes wants to know how many right reads she made. So we try to find things when we try to make everybody stars in their own role. You know, Chantel's goal is to get a double-double every night. And... Uh, um, you know, we get her in position to be a great rebounder. Now now it's kind of become a triple-double she's in search of because she likes to get to assist if she can. Um, right. So you try to find ways that each kid can be a star in their own role. Uh, yeah, we, we talk pretty openly about it. You know, there's when, when with us, there's you don't we don't the role right now, the, the job of who's going to shoot at 22 to 25 times a game, and nobody else wants to apply for that job right now because they're pretty sure Kelsey's <laughs> going to get it. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'm not applying for Gino's job because, you know, I'm pretty sure he's got that locked down for now. So 
uh, we try to do that on a on a, a basis with our team. And these are the roles we have open. These are the jobs we need to have get done. And do you think you have the skills to fill those? And then we find ways to reward them individually. And Kelsey's the best teammate uh, I've ever been around. She and Chantel, I would have to put as one and one A as far as being the the, the best teammates I've ever coached. They uh, they're there for their team. They don't they don't crave the honors and the accolades and the awards. You know, Kelsey's so over talking about the the Jackie style record it's it's not even something she cares about she finally told the paper last week she does not give a damn about it and that's about as close as you'll ever hear her to cussing um right but she doesn't all she wants to do is whatever it takes for our team to win she's averaging almost five and a half assists a game this year 5.35 or something like that which is mind-blowing for a kid that's also averaging now through 16 games or seven 18 games 30 points you know that's just so that it, it's that is to me the consistency and and that contribution uh, you know, she's accounting for almost 50 points a game, and it's it's crazy. Let's talk about Chantel for a minute. Um, truly a unique player. And, and we, we must mention here Kelsey leading the nation in scoring, and Chantel is leading the nation in rebounding. Um, pre- pretty clear, you know, why you guys are, are ranked where you're at. Have, have you coached a more unique unique player than her ever? No, no. I, and, you know, I, I've, I've never quite frankly seen one uh, on the women's side. I just I haven't seen a kid that can, can get you 16 rebounds and get you 10 assists, much less make six right. threes in a game. You know, that's a right. that is a that is a skill package that so far I know of one kid playing college basketball right now that can do that and it's her. So mm-hmm. um, she and, and she's such a, a student of the game. I, I, I've said it for a couple of years now to people and it's still the most accurate descriptor I can come up with. You know, she's a chess player playing checkers with the rest of us. She sees right. she sees these three and four moves ahead. She's wanting people to make the cut to open up the, the next pass and the pass after that um, and you know it's it is a, a rare rare thing and to have the leading rebound and leading score I, the only time I remember it happening was when Hank Gathers and Bo Kimball were together at Loyola Marymount you know two separate players doing that for a period of time and you know I looked at the I, I'm you know y'all know I'm a numbers guy so I looked at it this morning I think Kelsey's leading and scoring by like six points a game which is a staggering separation because yes. the other people two through eight are separated by like point one point um, and I think Right. Chantel's leading by almost a full rebound and a half. So, you know, and against the competition we're doing it against, I just I think that they're doing it. I say we. All I'm doing is putting their name in the starting lineup, so I'm not doing any of that work. <laughs> uh, I say we. They, um, the competition they are doing it against, I, I think just speaks volumes to what type of kid they are, how hard they work at their craft. Um, and, again, both of them would trade all those stats for wins every night. That's the win, the, the stats are secondary. The win is primary. Last year, Final Four run, obviously a big accomplishment for, for the team, the program, and for you personally. You know, looking back on that, and, and, and clearly, you know, you've got your eyes, you know, on, on, on this year right now. But take a moment, you know, talk to us about, you know, what that meant for the program. You know, has it changed, you know, anything for, for the University? University of Washington uh, this year. Okay. First, yeah, what it meant, you know, it validated everything we've been talking about. You know, when we went into Kelsey's home and Chantel and Katie, even back to Katie and Bree and those guys, you know, we, we didn't have a lot of recent history to sell. Um, Washington hadn't been going to the NCAA tournament, uh, hadn't even been qualifying for the NIT tournament, was winning eight or nine games. So, you know, to go in and sell a vision and a plan, but then, you know, that Final Four gave it validity and it backed it up. And I think it gave those kids a, a, a huge sense of pride in how quickly they were able 
to, to change a culture and establish and, and leave a legacy. Now, they're, they're obviously not done, but, you know, when you go to the Final Four and they hang one of those banners in your gym, they don't take those things down. They leave those up forever. And That's right. And they have reunions and bring you back and, you know, put you in programs forever and ever. So, um, you know, that, that sunk in, and it was a great experience for our kids, lifelong memories, uh, you know, the pictures, the videos, uh, the mementos uh, were really, really important. Uh, I thought it was great. Uh, there was a moment, you may have read about it, or Chris may have said something to you about it, but, you know, I, I was proudly wearing our Final Four ring on the recruiting circuit during the month of September. I wanted, you know, it was a conversation piece. Every home wanted to talk about it, so I was wearing it. And I got back off the road, and I was still wearing it, not really consciously. Kelsey, Kelsey said, I think it's a good idea if you take that off. That was last year. I don't want to be reminded of <laughs> So you know what? Wow. I took it, and I thought it was—I thought it was a good point. It was last year? It's something I'll always cherish and have when just to show it to somebody. But I, I thought it was important. So this is this year's team. Once we hung that banner, that first game, we moved on. So the impact, the lasting impact that you ask about—you um, know—I think so many of the recruits in 2017 were so far along in their process. I run to the Final Four had already weeded some people out. Now I, I had some people call me that wanted to get back in, but. You guys know me well enough to know that uh, you, you break yep. up with me, you break up with me. I'm not, uh, right. <laughs> you know, I'm not that guy. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't tell you that we necessarily capitalized, you know, on it in 17, but I think the group that we're looking at in the future, the impact, the number of people that are answering the phone, returning my calls, um, you know, those types of things are certainly having impact everywhere. And then the biggest thing I'd tell you is if you caught the game yesterday, you know, we had almost 5,000 people in the gym again. And, you know, for years we've been drawing around 1,500 to 2,000, but now the city's coming out and supporting uh, in our in our kids and our program. Football team's doing great. So, you know, uh, Seahawks Hawks are still in the playoffs. It's a town that really, really rallies behind the winner, and, and we've seen that happening for women's basketball as well. That's terrific. We know that your, your time is precious here. I want to ask you about the Pac-12 conference. You know, you, you mentioned how competitive it is, you know, and, and even more recently, multiple Final Four appearances. You know, even currently, I believe uh, as many as four ranked within the top 25. Uh, and teams that regularly end up, you know, within the top 10 of recruiting classes. Yeah. What, what factors, you know, would you attribute uh, you know, to this success, and uh, ha- have you seen a change one direction or the other since you uh, entered the Pac-12? Yeah, I think three things happened, guys. I think um, I think the schools got interested in women's basketball. You know, I-, I think for a while some of the jobs wouldn't be considered top 25 jobs based on their pay and the location where you have to live with that pay. But I think schools got committed to it. You know, Washington steps up and makes a bold move and hires Kevin McGuff. You know, Oregon hires uh, Kelly Graves. Um, you know, Scott Rook was not certainly a marquee name, but anybody in the Pacific Northwest knew what was getting ready to happen when they hired that guy because he can flat-out coach. And they got interested and got behind it. Uh, you know, then this all up and down the Pac-12, the, the people, the, the programs got interested. Uh, the Pac-12 network comes online, and although there's still people in the East that don't have it because of direct TV or they don't know how to work sling TV on the Internet that everybody has <laughs> access to, um, you know, we didn't have that national exposure, and I think that helped. And then thirdly, the recruiting 
recruiting classes you're talking about, we've been able to keep the West Coast kids for the most part on the West Coast. You know, an Ionescu going to right. Oregon, a Nigway going to Cal, Plum coming, you know, those types of things. Those weren't happening there for a few years. All of those kids were going, and they were still losing a few, but I think now um, I, the majority of those kids are at least taking a good, hard, long look at the Pac-12. They know it's a league where uh, if they go, they're going to be on television. They're going to be, uh, they got a chance to go deep into the tournament. Um, and that those three things all coming together at the, the right time. You get good coaching, good players, and, and schools that are committed to it, and, and a network producing it and making the game important. Uh, and, and then you get what we've got, you know, and, you know, we've stayed up and said the league's good, but it, it took two of us going to the final four and three to the sweet, uh, three to the elite eight, four to the sweet 16. And, you mentioned the polls right now. The numbers we have six teams ranked and two getting votes. So okay, it's become, yeah, yeah. It's become it's become a league that you know every every coach stands up and says our league's the best, our league's the best, our league's the best. And but I I just use the RPI numbers, and if that's what we're going by, our league's clearly the best. It's not even close. Uh, average RPI of our teams this morning was thirty three point four, and the next closest is about forty seven. That's in the ACC. So um, the league's tough. It's good. It's competitive. It, it's not any fun, I'll tell you that. I'll be the first one to tell you it's no fun to look <laughs> up and know that every single Tuesday or a Thursday and Saturday or Thursday, Sunday, Friday, Sunday, whenever you're playing, you got two tough games. You know, UCLA gets on the plane and makes the trip to Washington, a, a, a series that they traditionally have swept in the past, and they go home 0-2, and they're a top-10-ranked team. Losing Pullman, they come over here and we get them on Sunday. So uh, this league's tough. An 0-4 or an 0-3 Oregon team goes down and wins at Cal. And so it's, uh, it's going to be topsy-turvy. There's going to be a lot of – I don't know that we have a team that people are talking about that are capable for winning the national championship, and that's fine because last year nobody had any of the Pac-12 teams that even go into the Final Four, and that's okay. But I do think right. we've got seven or eight teams that you got to consider to be a Sweet 16 top top team, and yeah. that's that depth that we've all been talking about and hungering for. Our coaches are really sticking together. We're all pulling for each other in the league, in the non-conference, and now we're trying to beat each other's brains in. But um, the league, the league coaches really have made a, a strong commitment, and that's something like I've never seen before in any of the leagues I've ever been a part of in the SEC or the Big 12. The coaches just stuck together and were very committed to, to making what was good for the conference uh, a priority. Coach, our time is winding down here. I've got a little segment that I want to end us on, a, a little tribute to Dean, Dean Smith and uh, the North Carolina Tar Heels. As, as you know, when time was running out and they had the lead, uh, four corners. Uh, four corners, but, yeah. But, you know, when, when I... I coach, I like I like to run four corners to score. Okay, not not four corners to uh, you know just to run the clock out or or turn it over perhaps uh, even worse. But four questions for you. Okay. Um, four questions, four quick hitters right here. First off, how's the guitar playing in season? Uh, it's choppy, but I usually pick out one artist and really focus on them. So I, I know every song Chris Stapleton's got out right now. I got you. I got you. You mentioned Washington football and uh, the Seahawks. Uh, earlier, you kind of stole my thunder here, but how exciting was it to, to see the Huskies uh, in the college playoffs? Uh, we had a huge watch party down in Corvallis. We were going crazy the entire time. Uh, very close to Coach Pete. He was great for us. He, he had the football team last year come out and uh, send us off to the Final Four, and I thought it was very fitting because he said at that time, guys, I want y'all to be doing this this time next year. So we returned the favor. Wow. 
uh, and just couldn't have been more excited for their success. And we all saw it coming uh, because of the way he's gone about doing it. Awesome, awesome. Take a moment here to plug your newsletter. I, I am a subscriber to your newsletter. Um, it's, yeah. it's good information. If you're a coaching uh, joke, uh, junkie like uh, like myself, uh, you, you take information from coaches all, all across the country. Talk about your newsletter for a moment. Yeah, it's something we've been doing now for, for 20 years. Uh, it started out with two people. Uh, me and our boys coach at the high school I was at, just sharing information. And it went from two people to four, four to eight, eight to 16. Uh, just kept doubling over the time. And now we're up to uh, 71,000 coaches uh, in 50 countries, 50 states. Um, You know, it used to be a weekly thing. And now that I'm a head coach, it's becoming more of a monthly thing. But uh, so many coaches share. uh, They send things in that were helpful for them. I just attach it to the the, the email and blast it out there. We try to touch, you know, try to touch an X and O moment. We try to touch a philosophy moment. We try to touch a leadership moment. Uh, We try to touch, you know, nowadays just how we can better serve our players and the IY generation. Uh, Just five little quick attachments that uh, doesn't cost anybody a Dime. Anybody that sends me a jump drive, I'll fill it up for them and send it back. It's got, it just went over 3.5 million pages of information. Uh, and we are, so many people have helped me along the way that I know would have never, I wouldn't be coaching, period, much less at the University of Washington without the help of others. So I'm always going to be no trying question. to give back to anybody, anybody that's willing to, to learn. And, you know, you don't have to use it all. That's, that's what I, you don't have to be a, a use it all or a know it all, but man, collect it and file it away for when you might need it. Uh, it's it's a, something I really, really enjoy doing. The, the friendships I've made and the people I've met through it, um, it'll be something I do until they uh, until they make me stop. Like the great late uh, Don Meyer said, get all the, the good ideas that you can and yep. then and then choose the ones that, that are useful for you. Real quick, share your email address that way. Um, any coaches or I, I guess uh, even parents or even prospective players could sign up for that, correct? You know, I have to be careful about the players. Uh, I do they do have to I do have to ask the question when they send me the email because it could be considered correspondence to an underclassman but uh, yeah I've got some I've got some people on there some um, people that aren't coaches they can't be prospects or prospects parents but uh, the, the email address is the letter N A E is in boy E is in elephant and S is in Sam with the uh, 22 at UW. Very good. And the last, the last topic for our four corners here this evening. Yeah. We touched upon it um, uh, in in our, our pre-production meeting. The Seattle weather. What's it looking like out there right now, Coach? Well, it's 44 degrees. We do have a little bit of mist on us. Uh, there's no wind. Uh, I'm I am in a sweater with no jacket. My daughter from Arkansas, who's with me, is in short sleeve shirts and a pair of UGGs. And we've got the <laughs> thermostat in the car set to 68, and we're very comfortable so um we're we're doing pretty good it's been a really mild winter we did have a little trace of snow a couple of days ago it was good to see that but um it's uh I wouldn't complain about the weather one bit right now. You know, that, that's really funny that you that you say, you know, that you wouldn't complain about it. And all I ever hear from uh, Chris Hansen is, you know, how mild it is. And, of course, the one week that I go out there for the Check Me Out Showcase, um, you know, it's the hottest week 
you know, of the year, yeah. and I'm, I'm stuck in, a, uh, in an apartment, um, yeah. you know, with no air conditioning. So some bad luck on my part, I guess. Yeah, we don't have air conditioners. I learned that one the hard way, too, when I first moved out here. You only, you only needed a couple of days a year, but uh, that's the days I'd love to be a fan salesman because, man, people will go, they'll buy five or six fans and put in their house and because uh, they, they think 82 is hot. We have heat advisories at 82, you know. People are checking on their pets. Check on your pets and loved ones and make sure you got plenty of bottled water. It's going to be 85 tomorrow. I just I just have a hard time with that. I love it, but I have a hard time with it. Much like here in the Atlanta area, anytime there's a dust in the snow, the governor calls for a, a state of emergency. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> Pretty you know close. how that stuff goes. Yeah. Coach, th- thank you again for your time. Uh, best Thanks of luck all. this season. And uh, w- wish you nothing for, uh, but the best. We'll catch you Catch up with you again, uh, probably on the recruiting trail. Uh, this is That's Jonathan Hemingway for the Elite is, is Earned podcast. Make sure that you subscribe uh, to the Elite is Earned podcast anywhere that you get your podcasts.